the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Today, we have Kevin Basham on the show. Welcome, Kevin. Mel, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Kevin, we met in Bangkok, it was probably a couple of years ago now, in a mastermind group for Dynamite Circle. And at the time, you were running a recycling business. I think a few things have changed since then. Oh, gosh, so much has changed. In fact, yeah, it's pretty much bang on a year ago, isn't it? It was like, um, yeah, maybe, uh, sorry, two years ago, two years and a couple of months. And we were uh, fortunate enough to share one of probably the best mastermind tables I've ever sat on to talk about our business but a lot has changed with me a lot has changed with what I'm doing in business um yeah I mean it's difficult to know where to begin do you want to start with a little bit of your backstory and how you you made that transition from your first job into business and then where that's taken you up until now Sure. I'll try and keep this concise um, so I don't completely bore your listeners with my whole life story. But I think there's some really important things that I've gone through personally and some um, very huge experiences that I've had that have uh, allowed me to transform myself to who I was. From uh, to, to who I am today, from who I was. Uh, so just just roll back when I was at school. I wasn't a particularly confident kid. I I was bullied, um, and I were yeah. I I just wasn't really somebody that I ever thought I could go and do anything particularly great. Um, I didn't. I don't. It was a good school, but it just didn't. I didn't fit in there. And I think when as a kid, when you don't fit in, you always think something's wrong. Uh, and you, you know, from an academic point of view, I was pretty average. So I didn't really have any, any huge accolades. And then, so I, I left school as soon as I could after I finished my exams and things and went on to, um, study, um, IT and computer science at, at college. And, uh, I got very bored there, spent a year doing that and then, um, jumped into working sales, which, um, for a shy kid that didn't really have much confidence might not have been the most logical step but it's probably the best thing I've ever done I would say because I learned um, how to succeed in a different environment how to succeed uh, when other people believe in your ability so I had some great managers and mentors and I excelled in a sales career I, I sold mobile phones um, on, uh, in, on a retail basis and then um, after about three years, I, I left that sector and had my first B2B uh, sales job, which um, everyone laughs when I say what this was, but I was selling doormats door to door. Right. So I was a door to door salesman selling doormats, which I, I think is amazing. Um, but if, if, yeah, if you ever, um, <laughs> if you, if you ever uh, want a job that uh, builds character and thickens your skin, that's a really good one to pick. Um, but this was, this was to businesses. So these were like uh, fitted logo mats and industrial flooring and stuff. But I kind of boil it down because I, I think it's a funny story really, but. I just felt so confident that I could go and do something because I thought if somebody else could, why can't I? And really there was a, there was a proven formula for success. You know, I had mentors and managers and other people that were doing it and I just followed what they did, but used my own sort of charm and intuition and interpersonal skills. Um, and, and then I, I, I had, um, sort of a, a fairly, uh, lengthy career in sales. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, 35 now. 
Uh, so I, um, my last employed job was in 2009. So it'll be a decade, uh, in about a year's time that I, I would have left full time employment. Um, and yeah, I just have various different sales jobs in the waste and recycling sector, which kind of led me on to setting up my own business in that sector. And what were those early years of running your business like? How, how did you, how did you really grow the business from, from those early days? Yeah, I mean, I'm from a sales background, my business partners from a commercial background. So for me, the most important thing was what can I sell today to put money in the bank tomorrow? And you know what that mantra, uh, that motto has always followed me through in business, because until you're actually until you're actually selling something, then really, you don't have a business. So in answer to your question, how did we scale it? Um, at the time, so, so I, I kind of left this detail out really. When, when I left my last employed job, I was in a really bad place in my life. I wasn't very happy. I was pretty down. I was probably depressed really. Um, and I had a, a lot of personal debt. In fact, I had 40,000 pounds of personal debt, which, uh, was, I was really embarrassed about and didn't tell anyone. Um, because it's not the sort of thing I wanted people to know about me. I think it's about 80,000 Aussie dollars or something like that at the moment. So it's, it was a, a huge amount. So when I started the business, I'd quit my job and I didn't have an income. So I, I had to just find some stuff to do that would bring in, um, bring in sales that could support, uh, give me an income and give my business partner an income. And, um, Within about three months, I was earning twice as much money as I was in an employed job. Now, I wouldn't encourage anybody that's thinking of starting a business to do it that way around. Uh, in fact, it's a really bad idea. But when you have a gun to your head and when you have to do something, you kind of make things happen. Um, so that, that was my, my first thought wasn't let's sit down, let's do a business plan, let's do a five year growth plan, budgets, forecasts. It was like, no shit. What can I? what can I do today to sell something to put money in the bank tomorrow? And that's literally what, what we did and scaled that over probably two or three years. Uh, and then after two or three years, we then thought about the business in a different way. We thinking, right, look, we need to scale. We need to get people in because I was doing way too much. I was doing like the classic entrepreneur thing. You're doing 75 uh, hour weeks and it just becomes very unhealthy. And a business is hopeless if it can't scale beyond the founders and the creators because all you're doing is, is, is getting yourself a job, but you're just in control of the hours. Or so you think, you just work more, you may earn more, but it's not much fun. So I, I started to recruit people in and put some systems and processes in. And really that the recycling company is what, eight years old now. So it's got to a stage now where I've got a really awesome management team in place that manage most of the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, and yeah, we're, we're growing, but not as aggressively as we were in the first few years. Um, because I know that this particular business model has limitations on the way it can grow. Um, you know, a, a more traditional type of business is not going to do a hundred or a thousand X, like a, maybe like a SaaS business or a tech business or a fintech business. So really getting it to where we are now, um, has put me in a happy space. It gives me a, a good income and it, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like my first major success really. Um, but like any entrepreneur, I get bored. So that's kind of why I started to diversify into other things. And that really leads nicely into the main theme of today's podcast, which is around cryptocurrency. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you do in the cryptocurrency space and, and how you got started? 
Well, I tell you, what, I do. I'll answer the um, second question first. How I got started. Um, so this is this is a person that you and I probably both know, um, actually. So um, Peter Shankman. Um, he uh, is. Oh, he does lots of things. He does lots of uh, triathlons and Ironman stuff at the minute. He's a bit crazy. But um, I was in his mastermind group, um, and there were a few guys in there at start of. Uh, where I must have been, yeah, start of last year, they were talking about cryptocurrencies and um, they were buying something called Litecoin on on this app called Coinbase. And I thought, what is this? And and they were like really bullish on it and saying, you know, this is going to be like the next Bitcoin. And I'd heard of Bitcoin and I didn't really know what it was. I knew it was some kind of digital currency. But apart from that, I didn't realize what the importance of it was. So anyway, I went off, opened up my Coinbase account on my app and bought some Litecoin with my credit card. I spent, um, I think, about £500 on that, which was money that I thought, well, if it goes tomorrow, I'll be a bit pissed. But hey, it's not going to affect me too badly. Uh, and it's kind of the best decision I ever made, really, uh, because I, when I, when I find something that I really like, I go down the rabbit hole and I become obsessed by it. Um, so I then started learning more about crypto. I was watching every single YouTube video I could. I was reading every book that I could. I was trying to talk to friends in the UK about it, which was difficult. And one of the things that I found was there wasn't that much good quality information out there. for people like me that were savvy, knew about tech, knew about finance, knew about business, but didn't really understand cryptocurrency and the technology behind it, which is blockchain. Um, so I got together with an old friend of mine who I didn't know at the time had invested in Bitcoin a few years before I'd even known about it. And we started talking and said, let's do two things. Number one, let's create a podcast and a resource that helps to empower people to make their own decisions in this space, to educate them, bring on experts on the show. But fundamentally, it was quite a selfish act because I thought, bloody hell, if I could set up a podcast and invite like some of the best people in this space from around the world on the show, what could we learn? And that's really where it all kicked off. It was um, to scratch my own itch and to really meet lots of amazing people. But then it was to pass that knowledge and information on. I think the, the whole scratch your own itch thing really makes sense. If, if you've got a need for it and you're going to enjoy it and find it interesting, there's probably other people that are, or many other people out there that are feeling something similar. And so you started the podcast. Had you ever run a podcast before? No, I've been interviewed on some like amazing shows like this. Um, in fact, I've been interviewed on more Australian shows than I have UK shows. So I don't know why that is. Um, we love your yeah, maybe maybe it's that. They don't really like it here. I'm, I'm just probably pretty boring to every other UK uh, UK podcast. But um, yeah, so I'd never done a podcast before. But the great thing was that um, I, I was in a position with the business that I could buy in resource and expertise. So I got the best microphones I could. I, I could. So we, we got, um, and that was only after the first few episodes. So we did a few sort of, I think episodes one to six and one to seven were just on some crappy old microphones just to see whether we could do this and it would work. And when we realized it was getting momentum, we invested in, I've got the same microphones. I think Joe Rogan uses on his podcast and we set up a little studio in my apartment. And the great thing is my co-host is, 
is um he's more of a behind the scenes guy so he pushes me out to do interviews like this but he's got all the tech knowledge about audio production and um and tech in general so uh it was it was actually quite good because he then supported us with like the the production of that and i went out and did sort of you know the stuff that probably you and i are really good at like the the networking the business building the commercial stuff um and um and yeah that that's kind of how how it got some momentum and i think that's a really key point that if people listening to the show that are in business or are thinking of going in business is collaborating with awesome people is the best way to grow yeah, absolutely. I think oh, I can't even remember who it is. Maybe it's Jason Calcanis talks about when investors are looking at businesses, if there's only one founder, then sometimes that can be a red flag, whereas businesses with multiple founders often have a, a higher probability of success and, and different skill sets and, and people invested. So you Yeah, I, I also think when you find a good business partner, you know, I've I've had a couple in my life, they are like gold dust because um, you know, you you know this more than anybody. Sometimes business partners don't work out as well. And that's not just because like the typical thing you may fall out, you might have different ideas and concepts and want to go in different directions. So it's a really tricky dynamic to to get um to sort of deal with. But when you find that person, then you 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 just gotta embrace them and um, you know, do as much for them and then they'll do just as much for you. I had some interesting questions this year. On, I've talked on the podcast previously about my early business partner, Ben McAdam, and how we ended up parting ways. And then a few people were surprised when we announced that Wayne Richard was coming on as a, a new partner this year. And so you, do you still have a partner in the recycling business as well as for the podcast? And yeah, I do. And that's, that's a really critical point is that I don't think I could do either of these things without somebody else helping me and me helping them. Yeah. So let's get into some of the cryptocurrency and blockchain side of things. So if you were explaining Bitcoin or even just cryptocurrency generally to someone that didn't know anything about it, how would you describe it? What is it? So we've got two hours for this, right? <laughs> joking it's fine um okay i always i so i kind of like change where i start the answer every time so i really want to i do want to talk a little bit about blockchain which is the underlying technology and some of the use cases for that because i know some of your listeners are entrepreneurs and, and are in business or are looking to go into business so we'll we'll deal with blockchain itself maybe in a moment but let's talk about cryptocurrency but before we to do that, maybe let's just talk about money as a whole. So, um, I mean, you 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 probably know quite a lot about how 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 money started. So, um, you know, thousands of years ago, uh, we we were just bartering. So, you know, if I wanted to have a chicken and you had to go, I'm um, you know, and then we could swap. Maybe maybe I'd give you 20 chickens for one goat. Uh, but the problem with that is it's not very, uh, you can't have it as a store of value. You can't transfer it very far and you're very limited on how you can transact. So that's kind of how money started. We It really started thousands of years ago with people trading rocks and bits of precious metals and things. And I think it was like, um, like in the 1600s, the first coins started to, to appear. Uh, and then we have banks as well and checks um but the big thing about money as a whole is that it's always uh been governed by a central authority in a certain country so for for example in the uk we have the bank of england 
Um, the Bank of England is run by the government, and uh, the, the whole the whole concept of the Bank of England is that they can control the currency flow. So it's up to them how much currency they put into the system. And uh, several years ago, when we had the financial crisis, the US in particular and the UK printed more money, so the the, the money became uh, uh, worth less because there was more of it. Um, and to you and I that live in really lovely countries, we're very fortunate to be, to, to, uh, to be born in, um, you know, civilized countries with, I guess you could argue whether they're good governments or not, but you know, we have a nice way of life and we have freedom and we have choice and, and, you know, we, we don't really want for any of the, you know, the, the basic requirements for living. But if you were maybe born in Central Africa or Venezuela or Zimbabwe, then you have corrupt governments and the governments are corrupt because they control the money. So in Venezuela, we've had things like hyperinflation, which meant people can't buy goods. People can't even buy bread. Um, and that's really because the money is being controlled centrally. Uh, the whole concept of a cryptocurrency is that it's not really controlled by anybody. It's completely decentralized. In fact, it's based uh, on code and math, and it uses a piece of technology called blockchain. Um, and then Bitcoin in particular has something called miners, which verifies those transactions. So the concept of Bitcoin is that it's borderless, it's immutable, as long as you've got an internet connection. But one of the huge things about Bitcoin in particular, and I know there are other cryptocurrencies, in fact, thousands of them, but let's talk about Bitcoin because it's the biggest and the oldest, um, is that there's a limited amount of it. There'll only ever be 21 million of it. So it means that not more can be printed and it can't be controlled by anybody else. And that's a, that's a huge plus. So you saw in places like Venezuela um, that a lot of a lot of people were taking their savings and putting it into Bitcoin because that price could not be influenced or um or be corrupted by a centralized government. So that's one of the that's kind of the the concept of having a cryptocurrency. But then there are loads of other benefits to it as well. So Let's just say I want to send you a thousand dollars now. How, how would I send you a thousand dollars? Like, and you need to get it in the next like few minutes. What what would we do? With me being in Australia and you in yeah, the UK, yeah. Well, we'd, it would be a big pain. We'd probably look at something like TransferWise or OFX or PayPal, and sure. we'd also have to take into account currency issues too. So transferring from Australian dollars to pounds. Yeah, it's a pain. And I, I've not used TransferWise. I have used PayPal. I hate it. They're greedy. Their fees are ridiculous. Um, and the problem is with um, uh, PayPal is that you have to have an account. You have to register. You have to be verified. But maybe if I was in Central Africa, I couldn't send you any money because I don't have a bank account. Um, I don't have ID. So with a cryptocurrency, it means that anyone can, can participate with just uh, maybe an Android phone, a $20 Android phone, and a wallet on their phone, a piece of software, and an internet connection or a cell phone connection. And those are growing all the time in developing countries. So, but in the use case that I've just mentioned, if I want to send you $1,000, it is a pain and it would be expensive and it would probably take a little while to get there. But if I pay to, uh, you in maybe Bitcoin or Litecoin, which is my preference, which is uh, like Bitcoin, but faster. I could send you a thousand dollars now peer to peer. 
uh, straight to you, like from Kevin to Merrill, that's it. We've been obsessed with paying corporations first. So what I mean by that, if I did it the traditional way, let's just say I would firstly have to get paid $1,000 by my business. So from my business account to my personal account. And for my personal account, it would then go to some kind of like international transfer thing. Then it would probably go to some huge bank in Australia. Then it would go to your personal bank and then you get it out eventually. So you've got that whole process to go through. And every single time somebody handles it, there's fees and charges. Um, and also there's been horror stories of people sending money um, like back home to other countries and that money being blocked or lost or taken or halved. And it's just completely wrong. Uh, and that's, again, because um, banks are governed by, uh, by, by central authorities. And sometimes it's fine for you and I is, but in many countries it's not. So the, the whole point of a cryptocurrency really is that it's peer-to-peer. And there, there's so many other use cases that I could go into, but they're kind of like the fundamental reasons of why, why we would use it and why we, sh- we should be interested in it. And I'm interested in something you mentioned earlier, around the store of value too. So there's, it sounds like it can be used similar to a currency where transferring money from one person to another. It also sounds like there are other, I remember when the price of Bitcoin was just rapidly rising and there it sounded like people were using it more as a form of investment where they're expecting it to increase in value and then make some kind of capital, have capital growth or a capital gain. What are your thoughts on that? And I could well be wrong. I don't know necessarily. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So Bitcoin was the first. It's the oldest. In fact, it had its 10-year anniversary a few days ago. So happy birthday, Bitcoin. It was, it was created by a guy called Satoshi Nakamoto, who is, we don't know who that person is or whether it's a set of people. We have no idea. It was just created and put out there. And that no one in the world knows who that is apart from this, this person or this group of people. There are loads of conspiracy theories of who it might be. There's been people that said it's them and it's clearly not. So that whole thing's quite interesting. So Bitcoin has no leader. It has no like person behind it sort of saying like, yeah, you should use this. It's the best currency. And out of all the cryptocurrencies, I'd say Bitcoin has the big, the largest amount of trust in, in the whole cryptocurrency community. Um, and it's very much looked at as a digital gold. And the reason why it's so good as a store of value is because we know exactly how many there are. It's all stored on a on a public ledger on wallet addresses. So you have a really long wallet address, which is numbers and uh, and letters, uh, and you can see like every single transaction that happens on the Bitcoin network. You don't necessarily know who the wallet address corresponds to, but that's all that. So it's completely transparent in that respect. The problem with gold is we don't really know how much there is, and when people invest in gold. They don't. They invest in paper. And what I mean by that is that they go and buy, uh, put their money into like a tracker that tracks the price of gold, but it's not actually backed by gold. It's, it's, they're not actually buying gold. The only way you can do that is if you go and buy like gold bullion or gold coins or something like that, which again is not portable or transferable. Um, so that's, that's why Bitcoin has started to become a store of value. It's speculative. Um, and early investors have done very well in doing that. Uh, but there is a theory that one day Bitcoin will become the global reserve currency because it doesn't have a leader. It doesn't have a figurehead. It uh, uses cryptography and blockchain, which is pretty much with today's technology is impossible to hack. Um, 
and we know exactly how many there are. So that's really where I think Bitcoin will head. And then what you've had is loads and loads and loads of other cryptocurrencies that have created their own currency um, using the Bitcoin technology. So, for example, Litecoin is probably the most famous alternative really to bitcoin which is a faster version there's more there's more litecoin than there are bitcoin and that that type of currency might be used as as everyday transactions and then you've got things like ripple which has been all over the news recently and stellar and some other big ones too but they all have slightly different use cases so yeah i think bitcoin is very much the store of value and then we have other cryptocurrencies that can be used for uh, for everyday spending and you mentioned that Litecoin is your preference. And what kind of things do you weigh up when you're picking or selecting what is the best type of cryptocurrency? Or do you feel like it's on a use case, so depending on what you're trying to use it for? Yeah, I mean, it depends who you are, what you are, where you are. Um, I use Litecoin because it's uh, I've got a wallet on my phone. I know it's fast and I pay a lot of my freelancers in Litecoin. So I've got freelancers in Eastern Europe, the Ukraine, which is notoriously difficult to get money in and out of. Again, a great example. Uh, we have a freelance designer we use there. Can't pay him in USD. Can't get a TransferWise account set up. Uh, can't pay into his bank account. It's like, how how the hell are we going to pay him? Okay, have you got a Litecoin wallet? Yeah, bang, done. Right there, you go. You're paid. Um, so th- that's why I like it. And there's just there's just more scalability for it. But it could it could be any crypto. That's that's just my personal choice. And a lot of people are probably thinking, well, how how on earth do I do I know which one to use? And I think that this is the this is the thing. I, we we are so early in this. We are so. Oh, Although Bitcoin is 10 years old, the whole cryptocurrency market is so tiny at the moment. It's probably today about 210 billion. Um, the whole entire like currency, um, gold, stocks, bonds, etc. in the whole world is about 200 trillion. So it's a very, very small percentage of the whole entire um, uh, financial ecosystem. Uh, and I think what we'll have is that we'll just end up having probably several main key players uh, and then we'll have lots of other like smaller cryptos that use for very niche things so may- maybe litecoin will be one of the big ones that's accepted and used worldwide i think it will be personally uh, but uh, it could it could be anything and that really but it, it's down to the trust of the people it's, it's it's to choose what which one they want to do then they're not told this is the currency that, that you must use so it's it, it's done very much using meritocracy i guess And I also wanted to get into the blockchain side of things and especially around some business use cases. Could you just define what the difference between blockchain is and cryptocurrency and then talk about where you see or some business use cases in the future of blockchain? Yeah, so blockchain is a real buzzword at the minute and it's being used quite a lot as a marketing term, I think, more than anything. But blockchain to explain is actually very simple it's a uh, it's a public ledger of information that's that's stored uh, on a decentralized basis in a blockchain so the blocks are are verified by uh, people called miners depending on the type of blockchain that's being used uh, and that that could be thousands uh, hundreds of thousands of different nodes verifying transactions so really anything that requires a uh, a ledger of some sort 
can use blockchain, but it doesn't have to use blockchain. It can just use a normal database. Um, but the benefits of blockchain are that it's totally decentralized and, and secure and can't be adapted or changed in any way. Um, so blockchain in business can be uh, used in many different ways. So there's um, a crypto that's called Ethereum. And Ethereum is like a a big world supercomputer that's run on the blockchain. And with Ethereum, people can build apps on it. So, for example, um, I I could give you probably two good ones, but we'll pick the most uh, topical, I guess. So Facebook, we've had lots of data hacks, right? With data being leaked, uh, leaked all over the place. Uh, and that's because they're stored on like AWS servers, probably somewhere, I guess. Um, and when there's a central point that can be attacked, then it's easy to get the information. The whole idea of the blockchain is it's distributed over all over the place. It's impossible to hack based on today's technology. Um, so if we had a new social network, maybe that would be built on a blockchain. So that information uh, was not owned by a central authority. It was just owned by you. So you own your data and that's data sovereignty. So that's a really good, very quick example of that. Um, another example might be Uber. So at the moment, I mean, I think Uber is amazing. I use it wherever I go or wherever I can. Um, and I used it in Australia loads when I visited, which is amazing. So that, that, so the positive side of Uber is it's great for the user and it's great for the taxi drivers, but it's also great for Uber because they're getting a nice slice every single time. Um, and they can also choose, you know, who they want to drive and, you know, they, they can do, they can do some clever things to get additional revenue through. Uh, if that application is maybe built on Ethereum or one of the other big supercomputers that's using blockchain technology, it would mean that if I was a taxi driver and you wanted a lift, we could transact with each other uh, on a peer-to-peer basis using smart contracts on the supercomputer. So, uh, so what it does is it, uh, it removes the requirement for a centralized business to have uh, the power and to provide the resource and able to make that happen. Does that make sense? It does. It, it sounds like it's removing what we might call an agent. So could something Move similar- it middleman. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> it's kind of scary though, isn't it? Because I also think, holy shit, I built quite a big recycling business being a middleman and you know, that, 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 and from, if I'm thinking about like accounting software, like QuickBooks and Zero, which I know you, you guys use at Bean Ninjas, you know, that, that, that data is stored by them. What, what, what blockchain applications are we going to see in the accounting space? Cause that's, that's set for disruption. So it's kind of, it's kind of scary to some people because they're going to think, Oh my God, what am I going to do with my business? But, you know, I think, it, I think it's great. I think it o- opens up for entrepreneurs loads of other opportunities. And can I, can I very quickly talk about, um, like um, the the way that uh, cryptos have been used to raise money for business would that be yeah, something I could be quickly cover? Yeah. So um, over the last year or two, we've seen um, a huge spike and then a recent downturn in ICOs. So these are initial coin offerings. So the idea is that I say, okay, I am going to do um, a this new um, social network is going to be called Bookface, and it's just like Facebook, except it's uh, more secure. It's got loads of extra features, and 
um, yeah, advertisers uh, don't necessarily have to pay to, to use it. They can work peer to peer with people who use it. So you can get paid for watching adverts. So it's, it's a revolutionary business model. So I say, right, I've got, a, I've got a minimum viable product. I've tested it. I've got, you know, 5,000 users on there. They all love it, but I, I want to build this thing out. And I, I need, um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, offer tokens and these tokens can be used in the platform to buy things and to, to work the whole ecosystem. Uh, so what I do is I go out and do an initial coin offering and say, look, I, I, the, the, the price of the tokens is a dollar in the initial coin offering, you get it for half price and people buy those tokens. And that, that's been an interesting way to raise money for a bit for businesses. Some of the problems that have now occurred is that from a legal standpoint, um, especially the US, the SEC um, are, are now saying that they believe that these um, ICOs that have been run are classed as securities. Um, but it's been a gray area because you're not actually buying a share in the company. You're buying a speculative future value of, of what that coin is going to be worth in that particular ecosystem. Does that make sense? It does. And it sounds like an interesting way of raising money. And I could see why some governments would want to get in ro- involved as well. There's all this, I know more about what happens in Australia, but there's a lot of regulation around issuing shares or advertising to particular investors. And Yeah, exactly. And so, that, so that's been, um, and there's been some horrible scam ICOs where they said, hey, we're going to build this amazing thing, have raised like $10 million and then run away with the money. And that's horrendous. And so there does need to be regulation around this space. So ICOs are now, um, are, are now kind of, I think, not going to be redundant, but I think ICOs will have a very specific thing that they can raise money for, which will not necessarily be to, like, to, to use as investment, but maybe to, for specific things, like specific, um, maybe, um, equipment or stuff in a business that people can track and it's it's so so for example i say right i am uh i'm a, a vending machine company and i want to put out 100 machines uh but i uh I, yeah i i need to raise like a million dollars to do that but actually what happens is that when all the investors go in if i don't raise enough money for those vending machines and i don't buy them you get the money back because there's a programmable smart contract in there that means that the money raised has to go to the vendor to buy the machines. And if I don't raise enough, then you get the money back. And that's kind of some of the things that are now being looked at to protect investors. And then very quickly as well, I think we're going to have something called security tokens, which will basically mean it's like a tokenized version of, of shares in a business as well. So that's, there's some of like the new evolutions of the way that businesses are going to operate in this space. And I think, um, security token offerings are going to be enormous. Um, but the, it's, it's interesting how we've come about from this kind of like, you know, screw the banks. We don't want centralized money. We don't want government money. We want it to be free and liberal and peer to peer. And now like this technology is now being used by the big financial institutions to create new products. So I think what we're going to see is like hard core kind of like crypto guys that are like no it's like anti-institution and almost anarchist versus like the existing institutions using the technology and let's just hope both can run side by side but (laughs) i think there's gonna be interesting times ahead absolutely it sounds like such an interesting space and so many things that are happening and and it's probably hard that with some of the things that you've talked about i 
hadn't heard of previously. And I think there might be new developments as well over the next 10 or 20 years. So it's, yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on, Kevin, and sharing some of your knowledge around cryptocurrency and blockchain. It's been a pleasure. I feel like I've kind of just skirted over the top of various different topics. And I just really wanted to give your listeners enough information to go and think, yeah, I really want to find out more about this. So, you know, if they've got any questions, then I am more than happy to help them. You know, that's not a problem. But there's loads of other resources out there that are not not just mine that are also very good as well. And before we wrap up, I, I wanted to ask a question, not related to cryptocurrency, but just related to how you're able to achieve so much in a week. You're running a cycling business, you're doing a podcast. Before we started recording, you mentioned having some other entrepreneurial endeavors on the go. How do you structure a week or how are you able to effectively be involved in so many different activities? Uh, just um, being really boring. Uh, so systems and processes, systems and processes, systems and processes. Uh, and that's it. Um, so I'll tell you what I mean by that. Cause I go on about this to people all the time. Like, how do you do so much? I'm like, well, you actually find out, um, all the gaps in the days that where you don't do anything that's productive and you plan stuff accordingly. So podcasts, um, Mondays and Tuesday afternoons are always recording those. That's it. They're set in stone guests need to come on if they can't come on then i'm really sorry i can't have you on the show and i know that sounds a bit kind of you know a bit blunt but that's the only way that we can function and then wednesdays i'm in my recycling business thursdays i work on our um a couple of new projects that we're working on and fridays is kind of like a bit of a wild card but i but i schedule um, it's really cool actually i live right near a gym that i can book a class or a pt session on my phone using an app so i know like 12 p.m. on a Monday, I know I always have the same class. So it's kind of like routine and, and being ruthless. And saying no, like saying no is an amazing thing. If if you set out your goals and your aspirations for the year, if you're being invited or asked to do things that don't go towards achieving those goals, and they can be relationships, self-care, self-love, they don't always have to be financial and business goals. If they're not working towards them, then don't do it. And, you know, people respect you more when, when you when you do that as well i think i think everyone's worried about what other people think of them when they say no but just just do it you know you, you literally live once great answer love it and lastly if our listeners did want to get in touch or listen to your podcast what is the best way to contact you or to hear the podcast yeah, so Crypto Pulse um, is the name of it. We are on iTunes, uh, which is the most popular platform. And if you're not on Apple, then we're on Stitcher. Um, and if you want to listen through the website, it's cryptopulse.co.uk. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Kevin. No worries. A pleasure. <laughs>